Hello and welcome to What The Heck, a show that looks at mysteries and the unexplained. Every week we look at something unexplained, telling a story or describing it, and then look at the theories surrounding it. I'm your host Glenn, and I can't give you the answers to these unexplained things, because I don't know what they are. I'm just here to give you the information to decide for yourself. All research is done as academically as I can, and references are given at the end of the episode. This week's episode is a true crime episode. We're looking at Bugsy Seagull. Benjamin Siegel was born in Brooklyn, New York in 1906. The son of Jewish immigrants, he was raised in the streets. At the time, the Williamsburg area of Brooklyn was a hotbed of crime. It was full of youth gangs and racketeering schemes. As he grew up around this crime, he learned how to pave his own path within it. As a young man, he allegedly extorted protection money from pushcart peddlers in New York's Lower East Side. In 1918, in the Lower East Side, Benjamin made friends with a man named Maya Lansky, another Jewish man. Together, they established the Bugs and Maya gang. Due to Benjamin's notoriously quick and violent temper, the gang members gave him the nickname Bugsy, stating that he was crazy as a bedbug. In 1929, Bugsy married his childhood sweetheart, Esther Krakower. They had two daughters together. This marriage didn't stop Bugsy from being involved in the mob, though. When the 1930s came, Mafia kingpin Charles Lucky Luciano and other Italian gangsters came together and organised into a New York regional syndicate and eventually a national syndicate. Luciano's enemies tended to be taken out quickly, and Bugsy eventually left the Bugs and Maya gang to work for Luciano. Some reports state that Bugsy had been working with Joe the Boss Masseria in 1931 though. Masseria was part of the Castella Maurice Wars that shook New York in the later years of the Prohibition. These reports suggest that four men, including Bugsy, shot Masseria after the mob boss had finished a large meal in a restaurant. These reports may not be completely true, though. Larry Grapp of the Missouri University of Science and Technology has seen that there are problems with these reports. Witnesses said there were only two shooters to start. An autopsy performed on Masseria also showed that his stomach was empty, meaning he hadn't just eaten. It also wasn't until later that Bugsy Siegel was linked to the killing, after he had gained a reputation for being violent. Bugsy was later linked to the death of another mob boss, Salvatore Maranzano, who was the last real rival of Lucky Luciano. Whether Bugsy was involved in the death of Masseria or not is irrelevant though. His reputation for violence was so great that he was tied to events that he may not have been involved in. One writer even tried to tie him to the Black Dahlia murder in 1947, but Siegel was under close watch from the FBI at the time and his activities on the day of the murder were accounted for. Going by this, it's possible that Bugsy wasn't quite the ruthless killer some reports would have to believe. He was definitely associated with Maya Lansky, Lucky Luciano, and other members of the New York mob, though. 
This included people who were part of a group known as Murder Incorporated. These were members of Lucky's criminal syndicate who were given the task of enforcement, usually through intimidation or murder. Because of these connections, New York police were watching Bugsy closely. Lansky reported Lee knew about the observation, suggesting that Bugsy relocate to the West Coast. Bugsy did just that, moving to California. Here, he helped to build the rackets in the growing communities across Southern California. With help from other mobsters like Mickey Cohen, Bugsy set up gambling dens and offshore ships for gambling. He also helped to consolidate already existing rings, including sex work, narcotics, and bookmaking operations. His connections allowed him to bring the race wire to California, allowing critical gambling information to come to the state. Having wealth helped Bugsy further himself in California. It got him further than his criminal reputation had gotten him on the East Coast. He was able to buy himself a large home in Beverly Hills, was invited to the parties of the Hollywood elite, and maintained friendships with movie stars. One of his close friends was George Raft, an actor and dancer from New York City. Raft had also been born from immigrant parents and had also been associated with the mob boss growing up. He had moved to Hollywood in 1929 and appeared in gangster movies. Raft apparently was a go-between for Bugsy and other Hollywood personalities. He also acted as a character witness during Bugsy's criminal trials. In the late 1930s, Bugsy began dating the actress Virginia Hill. They were well known for their glamorous looks and volatile natures. In 1945, they moved to Las Vegas and oversaw the construction of a hotel casino at the edge of Las Vegas. They weren't the first to create something in the desert, but they did revolutionise it and raise the stakes. By 1946, Bugsy's wife Esther had caught wind of Bugsy's extramarital affair, calling for a divorce. Once finalised, Esther moved out of Beverly Hills, taking her daughters back to New York. The Flamingo Hotel construction had mostly been financed by East Coast crime syndicate bosses under Bugsy. It didn't go well though. Originally budgeted at $1.2 million, the construction costs ended up being $6 million, which angered the mob bosses financing the build. Not only that, but the Flamingo's opening day was rainy, meaning that it wasn't a grand affair. None of None of Bugsy's Hollywood friends attended. To make matters worse, those who were in attendance seemed to be quite lucky winning around $300,000 in the first two weeks of the hotel's opening. Bugsy managed to turn things around, and by the spring of 1947, the hotel was bringing in a profit. But Bugsy wasn't safe. On June 20th, 1947, Bugsy and Virginia were sitting in Virginia's home with a man named Alan Smiley in Beverly Hills when gunfire tore through the house. Bugsy didn't survive. Minutes later, Maya Lansky's men entered the Flamingo Hotel and announced that they were in charge. Who killed Bugsy Siegel?
Bugsy Siegel, a mobster, moved to California in the 1930s and built a hotel casino in Las Vegas, changing the desert forever. But who was responsible for his death? This might seem pretty cut and dry, really, but there seems to be a lot more to it than first appears. Let's start with the easy suspect, Maya Lansky, one of Bugsy's oldest friends. It was his men in the Flamingo the day that Bugsy died. It seems like it's solved, right? Well, no. Lansky says he had nothing to do with Bugsy's murder. Some theorists also believe that this pushes the suspicion to a mob hit. Some sources, like the Las Vegas Sun, suggest that the angry mobsters involved in the building of the Flamingo met in Havana, Cuba, to decide what to do with Bugsy. Apparently, the men, including Lansky, voted to kill him. They had decided that the management of the Flamingo, regarding the cost to build and the terrible opening weeks, had been too much to ignore. It had cost the mobsters millions, which was a terrible sin. The Las Vegas Sun suggested that the mobsters had sent the hitmen Frankie Carbo and Eddie Carranzo to take Bugsy out. This in turn would have put Lansky back into the picture for agreeing to do this, although the culprits for Bugsy's death would be Frankie and Eddie. There's even more to this theory though. Some people believe that the hitmen weren't hired by a group of mobsters. After their meeting in Havana, the mobsters allegedly put Mafia boss Jack Dragner in charge of the hit. He was the one who hired the hitmen. But in this version, there was a third possible hitman. World War II veteran Robert MacDonald. MacDonald apparently had a significant gambling debt that he owed to the mob and wouldn't have been in a position to say no. Another theory is that the hit was closer to Bugsy than the mob. A 2014 article suggested that it was to do with a love triangle. It suggests that a truck driver named Matthew Moose Panza killed Bugsy. According to the theory, Panza was in love with the wife of Mo Sedway, who was keeping an eye on the costs of building the Flamingo. Bugsy was said to have hated that and wanted Mo taken out. When Mo's wife heard about it, she went to Panza for help. Panza agreed after several meetings with the Sedways. He bought a gun and practiced shooting out in the desert. According to this theory, he crept up the driveway of Virginia Hill's house and shot Bugsy through the window. In 2013, Clark Fogg co-authored the book Beverly Hills Confidential, in which he said that there had to have been two shooters. He said it would be nearly impossible for just one gunman to make the shots that hit Bugsy, two to the face and two to the chest. When one shot hit his face, it would have turned from the impact, making the second shot impossible. This completely negates the idea that Matthew Panzer could be a suspect. Fogg then goes on to say that mobster Joe Adonis was behind the murder. He says that Adonis hired the two Tonys, Tony Brancato and Tony Trombino to kill Bugsy because he had allegedly been stealing from the New York mob. This is in the same vein as Frankie, Eddie and Robert in the massive mob hit. The hitmen would be the culprits, but the mobster would be behind it all. In July 1947, an FBI informant reported another claim. 
This claim suggested that Lansky had claimed that Virginia Hill's brother was the culprit. Lansky said that it was because Bugsy was mistreating Virginia. By the time Bugsy died, he and Virginia had been together for at least five years. Despite having a passionate relationship, they fought often. It makes sense that Virginia's brother would be angry at her treatment. Lansky isn't the only person to make this claim. Bernie Sinsler, who worked at the Flamingo in 1946 and 1947, made the same claim in his 2015 memoir. But we hit the single shooter snag again. It's just not possible that it could have been just Virginia's brother. Regardless of the theories, it's clear that Bugsy's death was a well-planned hit. At the Flamingo, during the 8.30 show, eight men left their table and took over the front door, security desk, casino cage and hotel registration desk. Immediately after Bugsy's shooting, the phone rang just outside the hotel. At the end of the phone was Alan Smiley, but the man who answered the Las Vegas phone was an FBI informant for Agent Curtis Lynham. Smiley told him that Bugsy had been shot in the face and chest and that Smiley knew he was dead. Moments after the call, Mo Sedgway, along with men Gus Greenbaum and Morris Rosen, walked into the Flamingo to announce that Bugsy was dead. Curtis Lynham never named his informant, but his description of the informant's life point to it being Mo Sedway. There is circumstantial evidence to back it up too. In August 1947, an FBI agent in Las Vegas reported that someone had concluded it was Mo and that Mo had engineered the killing because he had acted strangely before the murder. This behaviour was said to have come out as nervousness. And there we have it. Based on the list of suspects, who do you think was behind Bugsy Siegel's death? At this point, it's unlikely we'll find out who the true culprit was. The information from this episode came from the Mob Museum and Biography.com. The theories from this episode came from the Mob Museum and All That's Interesting. References and links are posted on social media if you want to take a look. The link tree is available in the episode description, so you can go to your preferred social media or listen on your preferred platform. Patreon is still unchanged, with a £3 a year if you want to support me, but I have nothing to put on there yet. Suggestions, personal stories and corrections can be sent through the email in the episode description. This week's Creature Feature releases on Saturday, and next week's episode releases next Wednesday. So hold on until then. <laughs>